White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 569. The White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast is brought to you by people like you, our Patreon.com family. To join the ranks and help us keep the show going, visit www.b5review.com. That's www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Reviewing the entire Babylon 5 series, plus Crusade and everything else. Now here are your hosts, Van Allen Plexico and Andy Fix. We are back. Andy Fix is here. Andy, are you here? I am here. I am Van Allen Plexico. I am here too. And this... This right here, this show is the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. We are back with two more episodes of The Great Babylon 5, working our way through it as it shows on HBO Max and other places. And we're into season two. What are you thinking about season two so far, Andy, overall? It's gotten off to a little bit of a slow start. Um, I, I thought that they would jump right in with the the big story arc and stuff. That's how I remembered it. But uh, so far, it's been a little bit of a slow start. It hasn't been terrible, but it hasn't been great either. So kind of picking up where uh, I, I would think season one, mid-season was. Um, and, and the only reason why I think they're so slow is because they pale in comparison to the last two or three episodes of season one, which were phenomenal. That's it. That is exactly it. Is it Chrysalis? And then the first two episodes, season two, they set the bar so high. But at the, remember, at the time, we talked about that. That that, that 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 was what got us to thinking of it as like a cohesive, like like it was a miniseries rather than a series, you know, show by show by show. Now we're getting back a little more episodic again. And honestly, yeah, I agree. These, these last few episodes could have been season one episodes. And in fact, I think there are season one episodic episodes I've enjoyed more than some of these Season two, their their main saving grace so far, and and honestly, we haven't even seen a lot of the ambassadors this season after the beginning. Um, I think we've seen Lanier just once. Yeah, and we had a Londo centric one, but other than that, hadn't had a lot of Jakar this season. Not a lot, right? Hadn't we had a lot any, of them. Uh, to, yeah, a lot of them. Um, in the last episode was walking around the bathrobe. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, hadn't had a lot of Kosh. I mean, it's been it's been a little dry. It, I, I was gonna say the saving grace for me of this season so far has just been that Box Leitner is so good as Sheridan. He's so likable that. But on the other hand, he's he's still in that smiling Johnny phase, and sometimes I'm finding myself missing grim and serious Sinclair a little bit. Agreed, and I think. Uh- we're looking at this from the perspective of knowing what's coming later. Yeah. I think somebody watching this for the first time would just look at this as a continuation of, of the, the feel of season one. And, and it wouldn't be, I don't want to call it disappointing because I'm not really disappointed by, by these episodes, but I, I think we're, ex- we know what's coming. So we're expecting everything to be, you know, 500 miles an hour when, when it's right. really, it takes a little bit to get up to that speed. So, I may have mentioned before that uh, when these shows were first airing, I was in graduate school and my roommate knew nothing about it. He said he got pulled in by the same ones we're talking about at the beginning of season two. 
And then week would week after week would go by, and in the graphic, you know, in the introduction, it says the year of the Great War came upon us all. And after about four or five of these episodes, he looks at me and my other buddy, and he goes, "I need the Great War to come upon us all pretty soon, (laughs) (laughs) or I'm out." the good news is when it does start, it oh. it starts. I mean, it's it, it it's well worth the wait. And we're getting closer to some big stuff. But until then, we have the two episodes that we're talking about tonight, which are not exactly the heavy hitters that we might be thinking. But there's some stuff. We're going to kind of dig around and find out what there is to recommend about these, are we not? Or not? We We are. Yeah. So let's go ahead and get on into it. Um, I have to point out, by the way, we are now doing two episodes for per show. If you go back and listen to our first season, we were trying to cram three in for a while there. And for a while it worked, but toward the end of the season we realized, yeah, unless this show's going to go two and a half hours, we need to cut it off at two. So we've been doing two. I've warned before, I've warned our audience before that there may come a time where we have to do one. <laughs> there may. Ah. <laughs> I, it wouldn't be a lot, but there's a handful, and you know the ones I mean, that we may just want to say, let's just do this one. We'll see. Right. There, we'll, we'll there, see. Are some epi- there are some episodes that cram as much info into them as three or four episodes that we've been, been used to. So, yeah, yeah. it's, it's going to get real crazy real quick. To, to quote Jakar, <sighs> <laughs> So, uh, bear in mind, we don't have ads on any White Rocket podcast show. We don't have any ads. We are supported by our patrons. So go to www.b5review.com and click on the Become a Patron box to join the family and also get access to our special features, including, I I just want to point out real quick, the order that the shows get posted because I've kind of worked this out now. We record these shows on every other Tuesday night. Usually by Thursday, unless something happens, and, and something happened last time, which was Dragon Con, and then I got sick, so I was kind of delayed, but um, usually I have them edited by Thursday, and I go ahead and put them up Thursday or Friday on the Patreon page. So if you want to get them days before anybody else, become a patron, and you just go to the Patreon app, and you can listen to them immediately at, you know, the... the the uh, the ink is still drying on them, so to speak. They are they are they are wet out of the out of the uh, production booth. But that's the first place they go is Patreon. Then they post the following Monday morning on Babylon5reviews.podbean.com, and then they post the following Monday on the White Rocket Podcast. So if you're listening to this on the good old White Rocket Podcast, it's been around for almost ten years now. You can get these episodes earlier by going to, to by subscribing to Babylon5reviews.podbean.com uh, or becoming a patron and get them even earlier than that. Uh, let's see. We've got a couple. We also have a spoiler section. We have spoiler space at the end. You will hear the sound effect and know when we've entered spoiler space and you do not want to pursue us into there. Much like Vorlon territory, you may go in there and wish you'd never gone in and you may never come out unless you are prepared for it. So, without further ado, Andy, tonight we start with episode 207, Soulmates. I I do have one to do. Um, It is Babylon 5 Review on mm. Podbean, not reviews. So make sure you don't put the uh, S on there like Van tries to do repeatedly. <laughs> God almighty, why do I do that? It's Babylon5Review.Podbean.com. I'm going to go back and fix that. Yeah, I sure did. All right, <laughs> Babylon5Review.Podbean.com. 
www.podbean.com. I, I, it actually gets us to say it several more times, so maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a feature, not a bug, as I was saying. All right. 207 Soulmates. How would you summarize this one, Andy? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Londo's You're welcome. Actually, yeah. Um, several people come to visit Babylon 5. All mm-hmm. of them uh, married at one point in time or another to some of the main characters. And shenanigans ensue. Good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. It should be called the Once and Future Exes Club. Because <laughs> some of them are already divorced yes. and some of them are headed that way. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I did note that we find out in this episode that Talia's ex-husband is a stoner. Bum-bum-bum. Oh! Oh! <laughs> uh, man, what an annoying dude that is. Wow. Yeah. He's just the worst. He's possibly the single most annoying character in the entire five years of the show. He's so smarmy. I mean, he's even more smarmy than, than uh, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the, the Mort- Morden. Oh, God. Can you imagine yeah, him mean, and he, Morden? Oh. oh, my goodness. I mean, he's, yeah, he's, and that, that's, one of, that's one of my low points, actually, is his smarminess is, is so over-the-top smarmy. But he does a good job. I mean, he's not a bad actor. He, I mean, it's not, it's not the actor that's smarmy. It's the character. <laughs> you've, now you've got me wanting to see a scene where Morden runs into Stoner, and they're, like, <laughs> trying to out-smarmy each other, and it would just be like <laughs> DEFCON 1 of smarminess. <laughs> I I mean, you know, it's like I have telepathic powers. Well, I'm surrounded by shadow creatures. Oh crap! <laughs> it would just be. Oh man. Uh, let's see. I got a couple of things here uh, before I get into notable guest stars. It's interesting that Londo is asking if Sheridan is all settled in, so we know that it still hasn't been a lot of time passed since the beginning of since since January first. When because you remember these seasons are are pretty much they start January first and they end on New Year's Eve every episode, every season. So it's probably sometime in like January, no later than February at this point, probably. Talia makes a reference to him settling in nicely too, so that leads me to wonder if Peter David thought that this episode was going to come earlier. Because this is episode seven, so I'm not sure if maybe maybe P, maybe uh, JMS told PAD write an episode that would be like the third one of the season or something when he's still settling in. This seems like pretty far into the year for them to be still saying, "Are you settling in?" So I don't know. Right, I was wondering about I was wondering about that myself because if these shows go like a, a week between, I mean, on Babylon Five time, yeah. he's been there for at least a month month and a half now so yeah yeah i noticed that too i thought that was a little weird that's what i thought notable guest stars jane carr as timov the great jane carr she just kills it all the way through this lois nettleton as daga blair valk as mariel the younger one keith zarabatka as matthew stoner and and yeah, I, I noted his smarminess right here in my notes. I actually, used that word, and yet I said to quote Lou Welch, "There's something. There's just something about this guy that makes you want to like him." And I'm thinking he must <laughs> truly be powerful because there's something about him that makes me want to punch him in the face. I have agreed. <laughs> quite the opposite reaction to Officer Welch. Quite the opposite. All right, let's see a few random factoids and notes. It's another. You, t- you did miss one notable oh. guest. You oh. missed one notable guest star. Who? 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 The uh, gentleman. The gentleman that played the traitor that uh, uh, oh. buys the um, 
the uh, artifact, the the uh, mm-hmm. Centauri artifact, was Lurch from the Adams Family movies. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. And he's um, that picture of him, kind of with his little eyepiece looking at the thing. That's one of the Babylon Five collectible card game cards. I'm pretty sure he's like he's listed as some kind of a neutral character or something. I remember seeing that picture of him on the card game. That remember we got to keep that in mind when you and I get together in Chicago. We're gonna play a car, play a Babylon Five card game. I am totally down for that. It's gonna be a party. It's gonna be a good time. I'm me, looking forward to it. Me, Andy, some decks of Babylon 5 cards, and six-pack of Bud Light, who knows what, and we'll have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, it is another Talia-centric episode. That makes me happy. I love Talia. Because she hadn't even been in the show until last time, you know, the last one. She right. keeps... she st- Oh, Stoner keeps calling Garibaldi officer, which is kind of weird. I had a note about that. And... There was an interesting bit where I noted that Londo seems to be warning Captain Sheridan not to be seduced by Mariel. And I'm like, was that a thing? Was that possibly going to happen? How would that even work? I'm just, I don't know. It just seemed odd. I don't know. We'll have to ask Jakar about that one. Yeah. Oh, well, that. <laughs> yes, we'll leave that. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> a couple of actual questions. What exactly is Stoner up to? I looked it up on the Lurker's Guide, and their ask and their response was, "What exactly is Stoner up to?" Because nobody seems to know. I should have asked Peter. I was, I mentioned it before. I was just hanging out with Peter David all weekend at DragonCon two weeks ago, and I didn't, I hadn't watched this episode in several years. I could have asked him, and he, you know, what his answer probably would have been, "I don't know. I wrote it twenty years ago, <laughs> thirty years ago." I got the. I got the impression that Stoner was sent there by the Psychor yes. to get her back. So to do experiments with her. That's, yeah. That's what I got. I, I got that he was working with Psychor still. Yeah, I agree. He hadn't lost his powers. They just changed and became something different. I don't think he left Psychor. If he did, he came back to it. Um, what would have happened to Talia if she had left with him? I don't know. And he was determined to take her with him even if she refused to go which was interesting. Um, right. You got to think at this point, and especially after the next one we're going to look at, uh, Race Through Dark Places, Psychor is getting a little suspicious of her. She hasn't got a whole lot of... I mean, Talia this season is kind of in the position that Sinclair was in last season, which is the higher-ups are starting to wonder if they're worth the hassle or if they're a bigger liability than they are a benefit. You know what I mean? Agreed, yeah. Yeah, they're uh, they're starting to to more. I I don't think they ever got over the whole Ironheart thing. No, that's true. That's true. Um, that little statue had an interesting track record with it. It, it came from a Centauri, Centauri colony. Then Stoner got it somehow. Then it went to the merchant. Then from the merchant to Marielle. Then it shot Londo. Marielle was happy to claim that it was from her. And Jakar notes, well, of course she did. That way you won't suspect her. Well, who was responsible for shooting Londo? Jakar. Really? He he was he was behind the whole. Oh yeah, he was behind the whole thing. Because he even, I mean, when he was talking to her in his quarters, he was like, "Oh, isn't it such a coincidence that all these things, everything that you just listed, happened at the same time?" So he he manipulated everything, and he's the one that because he was 
uh, Mariel is working directly for Jakar. She is she is a, a spy for for Jakar. Okay. Um. Yeah. So they in this. Did you read the uh, the uh, the, no, the all the novels? No. Well, I read all the Del Rey novels. No. I didn't read the uh, the Del novels. The, this there's a there's a novel series that that gets into this a little bit. Okay. Is it yeah. like one of those original um, ones for the like the the black covered ones, the Dell, or is it? Because I read the I read the Psychor trilogy, the Centauri trilogy, and the Technomage trilogy, but I didn't I didn't read all of those original books that came out the first couple of years. Yeah, I I, I want to say it was in the Centauri trilogy. Oh, okay. Well, we can talk we can talk about this in spoiler space. But yeah, I'm I'm Jakar. I'm I'm ninety nine percent certain Jakar uh, orchestrated the whole thing. Okay, well that works for me. I didn't get yeah. it, but that's cool. I'm not surprised. Uh, let's see. The Markab get a name check again. It's like JMS really wants us to know about the Markab. Uh, mm. Sheridan, we've been tracking this. Sheridan finally calls Garibaldi Michael. Yes. I've, been, I've kept the antenna up waiting for that because I wanted to know when does Garib- when do when do they start trusting each other? And it seems like yep, a that, little bit here. Yep, that happened. I think it was t- twice because I, I noted that too. I think it was twice he called him Michael in this show. So. Mm. And he's still calling him... Uh, Garibaldi's still calling him Captain, though. I don't think he's ever called him John yet. Mm-mm. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, JMS had a good line. He said, Peter Peter David came up with either I'm in hell or in med lab. And JMS <laughs> says, to which I appended, either way, the decor needs work, which is kind of the fun in getting an outside script. You can hear the first part of a line you'd never considered, and knowing the character, you can take it just a little further. So, in other words, JMS wouldn't have thought of that line, but once Peter gave him the beginning of it, uh, <coughs> he finished it out. So, yep. and then, which I thought was funny. And then the last, my last little note: Jakar in a bathrobe alert. We need an alarm sound for that. <laughs> Whenever Jakar pops up in a bathrobe, we need a um, we need a a, a a klaxon, a warning. And I don't really. I don't really have anything on my soundboard. Uh, I'm just looking real quick it, to see. It, it, it needs uh, to be a boom. Wow. Yeah, well, um, when <laughs> when Jakar comes walking out in that bathrobe, I assume what he's been doing is smoke weed every day. That's just my assumption of what's going on in his quarters, basically. <laughs> that's just that's just what I assume is going on in there. I don't really know. Oh, that was absolutely perfect. Yeah, that's that what was I, perfect. That's you what keep we that in there. That's what we that's what we do on the football show, and I use this for the football show mostly. But yeah, that's uh, <laughs> there you go. Um, all right, so let's look at the high point. What was your high point of this episode? What I have I have one little tidbit I'd like to go over. Oh, absolutely. There please. was a line. There is a line towards the end of the the show when um um. Delenn and Ivanova are getting on the elevator discussing the, the changes that Delenn has been going through as far as her, her transition to being partially human. Yep. And she mentions that, you know, um, and Ivanova helps her with her hair, you know, earlier in the se- or earlier in the, the episode. Mm-hmm. And Ivana says, Ivanova says, is there anything else? I mean, let me know if there's anything else I can help you with. And Delenn mentions, well, I do have these strange cramps and it's kind of a, like a wah, wah, wah as the elevator door closes. And uh, uh, the the actress for um, for Delenn was very upset with that line because she thought it was you know kind of sexist and making fun of you know it, it, she thought it was very sophomoric potty humor right mm. 
But then Peter David came back and said and explained to her and changed her mind why this needed to stay in there. It sets up two things. It, it, it sets up how deep um, her transition is. It's not just skin deep. It's not just growing hair. This is a really a, a full transition to, you know, hu- being more human, mm-hmm. including all the inner biological things. And secondly, it sets up her ability to have children with a human being. Yep. So That's a very and, good and, point. And uh, Mia Fer- uh, Ferlin? Fer- Mira, Ferlin. Mira, Mira Ferlin, yeah. Mira, Mira, Mira Ferlin thought that that was uh, understanding then agreed to do the line. I there thought that was go. interesting. That really is. I hadn't heard that, but yeah, that's good. That's very good. Okay, so, and more about that later on. So, high point of the episode for you. The high point has got to be any scene with Londo's three wives interacting with each other. They, It, it was absolutely hilarious. And, uh, uh, oh, golly, Timov had some one-liners. I didn't write them all down, but they, and a couple of them we'll, we'll get to in a later category, but... Yeah, they were they were absolutely priceless on screen together. It it, it really, I just loved every minute of it. Yeah, yeah, I I have them somewhere on here, but my high point of the episode was when Stoner starts to use his "Don't you love me?" power. He's basically Eros from the Avengers, uh, Star Fox. He starts to use his <laughs> "Love me, love me" power on Garibaldi, and Garibaldi says, "I got a bunch of armed guards outside." under orders that if they see us getting too buddy-buddy, they're to come in shooting first. And I'm like, yes, yes, please, just shoot the guy. Shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. <laughs> and, and, and right around that same scene, I, don't, I didn't write the exact quote down, but Stoner tries to convince Talia he's telling the truth. He says, look inside my mind. No shields, no blocks, no whatever. And Talia says, no chance, and walks away. And right. I'm like, yeah, Talia. So that was, one of my high, that was my other high point right there. That was a cool scene. Yeah. And again, Peter David is very good with funny dialogue. You can tell on this episode that he is just, you know. For those that don't know, it dawns on me that not everybody knows who Peter David is. Peter David has written a crap ton. That's that's an actual Federation measurement term in Star Trek. A crap ton of Star Trek novels. And he's written, um, he's probably written Next Generation episodes, I'm thinking, back in the day. And he's written a lot of Marvel comics. He wrote The Hulk for many years when it was very popular. He wrote Captain Marvel. A classic, classic Hulk run. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like there's there's like every Marvel character you can point to like one writer that kind of defined the character. You know, like with with um, Daredevil, it was Frank Miller. With Thor, it was Frank. Uh, it was Simonson, Walt Simonson. Um, arguably, with the Fantastic Four, it was first you know Stan and Jack Kirby, and then it was. Uh, John Byrne uh, with the X-Men it was Chris Claremont you know on and on and on well with the Hulk it's pretty much Peter David um, yeah he absolutely re- redefined the character right so he's been around a long time and um, yeah he, he knows these characters very well he's close friends with JMS I had a really good time hanging out with him a little bit at Dragon Con it was really cool uh, it's not the first time I have though too um, what was your low point of this episode my low point in this episode was uh, no Warren Keffer. I mean, come on. You introduce the guy, he's in there for two or three episodes, and then we haven't seen him in like three three episodes now. It was very disappointing. Now, see, now you know, how, you know how I was feeling with no Talia for like the first five episodes. <laughs> yeah, it's seriously, weird. Seriously, though, the, the, the downer for me was, uh, again, what we touched on earlier, Stoner was just a little too smarmy. I think if... if if uh, they would have toned it down a little bit, it would have been much more effective. 
Yeah, yeah. I I, I didn't really have the, this whole episode didn't have a lot of high highs and low lows. It was just kind of even. It had some entertaining moments. It had some good dialogue, but it didn't have me depressed and it didn't have me cheering. I, I just said my low point was that I didn't really understand the whole convoluted deal with the statue, and you've already kind of explained it. And I it went, I didn't that I didn't get any of that. So clearly, it just was it's a me thing and not a episode thing. So that was my low point. Um, do you have an Oren Zinto, Ari Benzane overacting nomination for this this episode? You know, I don't. I, I again with the whole stoner thing. I think the actor handled it well. I think it was just uh, the the character itself was a little too overdone. So I think the actor delivered the lines great. He, I mean, he, you know, he didn't overdo anything. Yeah, that's kind of my thought. I had that both both the stoner actor and Jane Carr. I thought they both pushed it right up to the edge. I wouldn't have wanted them to go much beyond. They had it like, they didn't have it at 11. They had it at 9.9. Right. So if they had just gone a fraction more, I'd have been like, oh. But no, I think they both just took it right up to the max and then stopped there. So we'll we'll say we don't really have one this episode. I'm, I'm agreeable to that. What was your most again? This was a this was a very difficult episode for me to fill out our categories. I had a I had a really hard time. What was your most Babylon Five scene? Uh, my most Babylon Five scene was uh, the scene we talked about earlier with Jakar and Marielle when they were discussing the whole plot. Um, I thought that was uh, that was very much j- because late. I mean, we ne- we have never really seen Jakar actually make an attempt on Londo's life yet. It's it's always been there. They've been shouting matches and arguments and stuff like that. This was the first time that he had his hand directly involved in a plot to assassinate Lando Malari. So hmm. I thought that was very Babylon Five. That is interesting. Yeah, and again, I must have been having a sneezing fit during that scene because I didn't. I guess I just I remember Mario talking to him, but it just the the conversation just didn't register for me. I mean, I need to go back and watch it again. But I I believe it was never. You. A- it was never explicitly stated, but it was heavily implied that okay. Jakar was behind the whole thing. Cool. Yeah, watch it again. I'll do it. Um, my most Babylon 5 scene, therefore, was Sheridan confronting Stoner about Psychor at the end. Because you get to yeah, see that, that good- yeah, you, you get the sense that Sheridan, Sheridan really is uh, on the right. I mean, because again, we're, we're still at this point getting to figure out who he really is and what side he's on. And. You know, you can't put it past JMS to pull a fast one. I mean, you know, that would have been kind of a, a crazy thing if they'd introduced a second commander and then, like, get halfway through the second season. And he, um, you know, I mean, Star Trek Discovery kind of did something like that the first season, which I really loved. Right. People yep. run it down, but I thought that what Star Trek Discovery did in that first season was brilliant. I mean, I just thought it was absolutely brilliant. So um, where you, they fake you out with who's your, who's your leading actor and who's dead and who's alive and who's from where and all. I thought that was fantastic. So you don't, I don't trust anybody if I'm coming into the show right now fresh. Um, but, yeah, we see that Sheridan really is quickly figuring out who's his friend and who's his enemy, and he's quickly figuring out that Psychor is not his friend because – you know, there are people on the station that just automatically don't want to have anything to do with Psychor and don't trust him. But Sheridan was still in that place of, I have to work with them. They're part of EarthGov, you know, so to speak. I, they're like, you know, they're like a special forces team or something that comes on here, and I have to op, I have to liaison with them. But now he's realizing I really need to. And it's this is not really a spoiler to say that because you can see how it's playing out. 
that as time goes by, Sheridan puts Sycor and Bester further and further at arm's length. He's, he, he treats him more and more like a rattlesnake, which I think is the right. way you need to treat him. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. Favorite character moment? My favorite character moment was when Tamav gives blood to save Londo's life. I thought that was perfect. And more importantly, she tells Dr. Franklin, don't tell him I did this. That was, that was very cool. That was very cool. I think my favorite character moment was when, when uh, Delenn needed Ivanova's help with her hair, and especially when she comes out with the rollers in her hair and Lanier reacts like, oh, my God, what's going on here? Are they torturing you? Do I need to beat right. this woman up? You know, Lanier's like figuring out, do I need to assault Ivanova to free <laughs> my boss from this death trap that she's put on her? And, and, and Delenn is like, it's oddly relaxing. And Lanier's just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> So that was pretty good. Yeah. That made another one of my categories. Okay. There you go. So funniest moment. We're, we're running out of categories. So funniest moment. I, I have actually right. several. This is the one thing this episode did have in abundance was some funny moments. I had a hard got, time filling everything else out, but funniest moment, I got some. Right. So go I, I had so many funniest moments, I, ha- I had to include two of them. Um, the one was the one you just mentioned, the scene with Delenn with the bad hair day. It was just hilarious. Um, but for both actresses, for, for uh, Ivanova's reaction as well. I mean, it was just absolutely hilarious. And then um, some of Tamav's uh, one-liners were, were too much. When she was talking to Londo and said, the secret of our success to our relationship has been a complete lack of communication, and you're endangering that. That was funny. And then when she was talking to uh, the other wife, I think it was Dagir, mm-hmm. when uh, she mentions, uh, oh, what was it, something about, you, you were always good for fencing with words, and, and Tamav come back with, well, that's because I don't have a, a sword handy right now. <laughs> that's <laughs> all. That was good. That's all Peter David, man. That is all Peter David. Is so, and he and JMS are very simpatico on that kind of dialogue, so they can blend together real well. All right, I, I, too, said basically the funniest moment was everything with Londo's wives. Um, I, I just got to mention several that are just too good. Uh, Timoff says, where have you been? And Londo says, tending to affairs of state. State of inebriation, I'd wager. So she gets that one in there. I had the lack of communication was good. One of my favorites was when the women are arguing and Londo says, ladies, ladies, please continue. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. I loved, um, was it Timoff that threw out the, yeah, that threw out the sexual Olympics line. Yeah. I'm not going to be part of your <laughs> sexual Olympics. I'm just like, I don't want to think of Londo in the sexual Olympics. That just doesn't do anything for me. Um, oh, oh, oh. This is a classic. When Jakar comes to the party and he's wearing his shoes, and one of them says, Ambassador Jakar, do you realize what level of insult that represents? And Jakar goes, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And then, of course, Londo says, oh, it's perfectly fine for my old friend Jakar, which gives Jakar a headache, and he stumbles away in pain. Uh, when, he, when he does a, uh, he did yeah. that two or three times this episode. It was and, classic. And Londo says, I love doing that to him. <laughs> and then the last one, man, this one is classic, too, is where Jakar says, if I were married to Ambassador Malari, I'd be concerned. And Mariel says, Jakar, if you were married to Ambassador Malari, we'd all be concerned. That is such a, <laughs> that is just precious. Oh my gosh, that's perfect. All right. So yeah, I cheated and had like 12, but that's okay because they were all really good and they had to be named. All right. Man, this is another hard category. Hard category, man. What do you think? Who won the episode, Andy? 
I, you know, I thought this was totally an easy one. It was Tamov. She totally owned the yeah. episode. She she was the one, and just being herself, not intentionally, she was the one wife that, that stayed because the whole conceit was Lando had to divorce two of his wives. He was allowed to divorce mm-hmm. two of his wives and had to keep one, and they were, the, the other two were fighting tooth and nail to stay You know, the wife. Tama was just being herself the whole time, and she saved Lando. And she came out as as being the 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 wife left standing, and she got the little the touching moment there at the very end. I thought that was very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why would you choose me? I'll never love you. I'll, at best, I'll tolerate you. Blah, blah blah. And he's like, I always know where I stand. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. It's, oh, it's great. It's great. Um, yeah, I had I had her too at the top. I said Talia kind of won a little bit. Londo to a certain degree, but it was Tim Off's episode. I, I'd have to go with that. Yep. How do you rate this one? I had a hard time again. I had a hard time with every category except funniest moment. Uh, you know, uh, you touched on this earlier. It, it was an episode that wasn't spectacular, didn't have a lot of great moments, but it didn't have any really bad moments either. And the B story, this is another one of those strong B stories with the um, Londo's wives, was was just brilliant and, and perfect. It, it it wasn't. It didn't have a huge effect on the story arc as a whole or anything like that. I gave this a 2.5 because, it, it, like you said, it wasn't spectacular. It wasn't bad. It, w- it was a fun show to, to, to sit and, and you know spend 43 minutes watching. It was good. 2.5 is correct. That is exactly what I put. <laughs> and I said mostly for Londo's wives. I could do without Stoner ever seeing him again. So, but uh, Right, right. Agreed. It, okay. Londo's wives. Th- they could have done a whole episode of just Londo's wives. It probably would have been a better episode. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Absolutely. So good. All right. Um that was uh, 207, Soulmates. I feel like it had another title before, but I didn't note down what it was, but they eventually changed it to Soulmates. Um, we're going to get into 208, A Race Through Dark Places, which is another telepath-related episode. But first, got to thank the folks that keep this show going. W- go to www.b5review.com and click on the button that says Become a Patron. You can join the ranks. And like I said, you can access the shows a few days early if you want to, and you get other benefits that are coming along as we speak. We are working on some other treats for you coming up. But here are the fine folks that keep the White Rocket Network going at the current date. They include, uh uh-oh, I lost my place. Ah, Chris and Clinton Stewart, Carl Von Drunker, Christopher Burleson, Jeremiah Schumann, Patrick Hayes, Samuel Salvatore, Allison Rich, Bart Lindsay, Bradley Blackman, Chris Usher, Gary Grant, J.J. Geese, Logan Chilton, Matthew Flowers, Phil Amthor. I just remind everybody, I read what people put. So I'm not making any of this up. I'm just reading what the patrons put down is their name. Richard Stevens, Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Trombone Tiger, Willie Carden, and our one-time and anonymous donors, we thank you all. I don't know why somebody named themselves that, but they did, and that's cool. Uh, that's what I usually end it with. Ann Kangian, A.U. Falling Up, Ben Bloodworth, Chris Thrash, Clay Henson, Dan Thompson, Daniel Odom, David Hegler, Emmanuel Seaman, Eric Morgan, Bobby, George Gaston, Jacob and Robin Fleming, John Atsuki, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Mickey B., Phil Davis, Preston Settle, Reynolds Wolf of the Weather Channel, Rich Reimer, Steve Harlan, Tank Hunter, There Goes Davis, Valiant Hermes, Van is just as important as John. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. WDE Richie, Wes Atkinson. I guess we could count that as Andy, too. They're referring to our other show. <laughs> uh, William Morgan, Wilson Beard, Winston Body, Blake Heron, Boris the Tiger, who is now TV's Boris the Tiger because he's appeared on, on ESPN uh, along with me. <laughs> um, Brandon Smith, Brian Albanese, 
Kato the Barner, Chris the Hilton, Colby Butler, Danny Flack, Darius Benton, David Simpson, Die Bama, Earl R- they almost did. Earl Ricks, Eric Mahan, Hugh Anderson, Josh Teal, Kevin Kenoy, Kevin Mahan, Lane Middleton, Melissa Blackstone, Mike Finley, Algorithm, Papa Todd, Patrick Williams, Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Ross, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, Snowdog, Stephen Houston. This is the year Bo Nix has improved so much on this new offense. He's focused. He's having fun. I wouldn't be surprised if Tim Pittman, Tony Perry, Alex Wynn, Auburn Elvis, Bakers out of TP. That's a reference to my Heisman House commercial that I came up with. That was the big. That was a big thing over the weekend. If you don't know, is that I they they that Nissan film and ESPN filmed a Heisman House commercial from one of my ideas so that was very exciting and they they interviewed me on sports center so it's out there now uh ben amos ben rigas bill minor charles mooney chris como colonel dad construction tiger daniel barnett and finally david smiley elizabeth donald ice cream clone i'll buy this for a dollar james taylor jason the weasel skull albrick John Stubbs, John Zavachin, John Soundboard, all right, Joey Miller, Joseph Iliff, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean, Kathy Bright, Kenneth Brent Rains, Mark Squire, Michael Halbrook, Paul Bankson, Robert Drain, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, did see them at Dragon Con, Spanky, Stephen Thompson, Trevor Johnson, why am I even here, Andy has all the talent and carries this show, Brant Rumble, Chris, <laughs> plus, plus our one-time... And anonymous donors, we thank you all. Go to www.b5review.com and click on the button to join their ranks. And I'll call out your name or whatever you want me to call out during this segment of the show. There you go, Andy. What did you think this time? I, I cannot get enough of that last uh, guy. That's a that the, He is my new favorite person. Or she. <laughs> that, that person is my new favorite person. There you go. <laughs> yep. They they come up with some good stuff. I'm the day is coming when there's not a single name on that list. It's all just sentences for me to read. It's gonna be like reading a <laughs> reading a bedtime story every time we do this. But it's fun. I told John on our football show last night that I never in a million years dreamed that the number one enticement to get people to become patrons would not be the special features or anything else. It would be getting to make me say funny things. I think that's awesome. I I that's certainly the highlight of the show for me. I mean, talking to you is great, but listening listening to you read those names is, is definitely the highlight of the show. Oh, boy. All right. On we go. On we go. Turning the corner. 208, A Race Through Dark Places. Uh, I'll do the summary this time. Bester asks Talia to investigate an underground railroad of unregistered telepaths, and Earth Central wants Sheridan and Ivanova to pay 30 credits a week for rent. That's about the... This is possibly the smallest... Least consequential B plot in the entire history of the show, but it is kind of funny. And is it not the most Sinclair thing Sheridan ever does? Absolutely, I was thinking that too. I agree. Yeah, especially the solution he comes up with is so Sinclair. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, notable guest stars. I have. You tell me if I miss anybody again. Walter Koenig returns as Bester, which is always cool. Uh, Apsanakwat is Telepath 1. That would be the Native American gentleman, I'm sure. Brian Cousins is Rick. Diane Delasio is Telepath 2. And Giannin Luffler is Lurker. I'm assuming that's the guy that got most of the lines, the dark-headed guy that was talking to Sheridan, talking to Talia. He was, I yeah, think that was yeah, Giannin Luffler. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um... He was interesting. I, I like the casting of him just because I thought he was a very interesting person, and I'm glad that they were letting somebody kind of unconventional have as big of a part as that, you know. 
in a show like this. Right. I agree. Did you have any any other guest stars or any factoids or notes you want to throw out there? I have a few. I, you know what? I didn't. I, I, was, I was digging and digging, and I couldn't find anything. So I'll, I'll let you run with this one. Well, just a few things. I have a question here. Why have there been so many military ships coming through Babylon 5 lately running up their costs? Where are they going? What's going on? And I think in a couple of episodes, we're going to see more soldiers coming through, aren't we? Right. I think. Yeah. Pounding yeah, that some, ground, some yeah. Grow some mm-hmm. some grow pose. Yeah. I have a note, just to, for those that don't, I don't think there's anybody left that doesn't know this by now, but uh, but Mr. Bester is named after science fiction author Alfred Bester, who wrote uh, The Demolished Man and The Stars My Destination. I read. I think I read Stars My Destination. I don't remember. I don't think I've read Demolished Man. Um, and it's been so long ago, I don't even remember it. Um, that was Walter Koenig's wife on Mars that was the other telepath with him at the beginning, which is kind of cool. Hmm, that's interesting. The dark-headed lady with like a bob haircut. She, that was his actual yep. wife. Uh, I thought that it was interesting. There's a lot of developing parallels between the Psycor and the mutants in the X-Men, especially Magneto's mutants, which is that at the same time they are both persecuted and, suspi- and people are suspicious of them, but they also are superior to normal people in some ways, and there's a temptation of power and power corrupts. Right, there's, and there's they a, even they even yeah they even mentioned that uh, I think it's uh, Garibaldi talking to Sheridan, and mm-hmm. Sheridan says this was a monster we created. Yeah, oh, I, yeah. if you ask me, we create our own monster. Maybe we deserve it. I actually had that written down. That's good. This episode is supposedly taking place March twenty two fifty nine, three months into Sheridan's tour of duty. So theoretically, some time has passed since Soulmates for this one. Um, they keep changing Talia's uniform. And in fact, she wears two different outfits in this episode. In the I last, think she, yeah, what? I, I don't think that's a uniform. I think her only uniform is her badge. I think that's just her fashion sense. I don't. She she doesn't really have a uniform. She because she's not a psychop, so she doesn't wear the black that the psychops wear. True. And she's not Earth Force, so she doesn't have a uniform. She she's a civilian. Yeah. That that has a civilian job. She just happens to be you know a, a psychic, so she wears the little pin that indicates her her psychor. Uh, affiliation, but I don't think that's uniform. I think that that's just her, her different fashion sense. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause last episode, if you notice, and you'll notice this more and more as the show goes along, I think it's Ann Bruce Ailing is the uh, fat as the, the costume designer. She loves to do things with lapels, like the collars and lapels. And in the last episode, Talia's lapels, her collar were like folded over and joined in the middle. Mm-hmm. And in this one, there's something else going on with them. And she's also got like that hourglass yellow and black design to her yeah. dress. Yeah. So, yeah, they just keep changing uh, Talia's outfit. Okay, well, that would make sense. Uh, let's see. We get a flashback to season one's Mind War, and now Talia can apparently not just move a penny, but throw it across the room and stick it in the wall. Apparently, Bester can't read Talia's mind anymore. That was interesting. That's another gift from Ironheart. Yeah, yeah. I do think that they were building toward Talia being very powerful for later on, but we'll get to that in the spoiler space. I like that Christopher Frankie, for the music of this episode, gives us just a few very faint brief callbacks to that Mind War music that... You just hear it a little bit. You hear it a little yep. bit, and it, it it's like a light motif. And then lastly, I want to just say, and I say this having seen the entire series, but that includes these episodes... Andy, the telepaths to me are the most annoying characters on this entire series. <laughs> I, you know what? 
It wasn't until, well, we can get into this in spoiler space. Right. I know what you're going to say. They get more annoying. Yeah. <laughs> but right now, I mean, honest to goodness, if Bester was not so badass cool, I'd already really hate him. Right now, yeah. Bester is such a great bad guy and Talia is so great that it's taking these two really, really great characters, really great actors to make me not despise all telepaths forever from the very, very beginning. <laughs> I just that's, that uh, that's that's fair. I I I, I don't want to I don't want to spoil anything. I, I don't want. Right. <laughs> okay. right. We'll we'll revisit this conversation. We will. We will. Spoiler space is coming very soon because I don't have a whole lot to say about this episode. Uh, okay. You don't have any factoids. You said so. You want to go to high point? We can do that. What was your high point? For me, the high point would uh, Doctor Frank Doctor Franklin running the Underground Railroad. I thought was super cool because that really that's a really great character moment for him i thought it that is. was super neat and you know i'm, I'm a big fanboy for dr franklin sure um and, and tied for that was the the whole resolution there at the very end when um they lure bester into the uh in, into the room and and do the whole mind trick on him and i had forgotten about that so, so when it. when when uh talia pulled out the gun and started shooting people i'm like oh my god what's going on and then and my wife was watching too she was like oh i thought she was a good guy i was like i did too <laughs> and, then, uh, it, and then it clicked. I'm like, oh, that's right. I remember now. And sure enough, the, it, it was just part of the mind trick. So I thought that was a really cool – that was very uh, uh, um, Sinclair-esque, the way that they uh, they resolved that. I thought that was really cool. That's what I had. The fake out with the telepaths, making Bester think one thing and all that. Yeah. And she really played it up, too. Talia's like, I know where my loyalties lie. <laughs> Good old yeah. Psychor, rah, 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 you know. <laughs> and then Bester's like, la, la, la. He's leaving and he stops. He kind of looks back at her and she's like, rah, 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 Psychor, woo And he's like, okay. And he leaves. <laughs> and, you're like, and she's like, right. is he buying it? Is he buying it? <laughs> okay, good. You know, that was great. And yeah. The, the counterpoint to that was at the very end when they focus, when she takes off her Psychor badge and leaves it sit there and they focus on that, not being on Talia. So that, Mm-hmm. That, yeah, I thought that was very Interest, uh, poignant. Interesting. Interesting stuff happening there, which we'll get to in spoiler space too, maybe. I think we, we, we just agreed on the high point. I have a suspicion that we both have the same low point. Go ahead and tell me what your low point was. I, I didn't really have much of a low point, except Ooh. for the, the, the lurkers were kind of... Uh, the, the, the telepath lurkers were a little cheesy to me. Um, I, I, except for the lead guy. And when they were doing the scene when they were all telling Talia about their 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 trials and tribulations with Psychor, I thought they those guys were all good. But the yeah. the the mooks that get shot up, I thought were pretty weak. Yeah, no, that's that's true. And I agree that the strongest thing the telepaths did was when they just talked about their own experiences. That was pretty powerful. Yeah. I I think you've forgotten one. I'm gonna see if you agree with me. I thought the low point of the episode was Sheridan making Susan sleep in his office and then keeping her awake with stupid jokes all night. Uh, what dude, the- that almost that almost made the high point for me. <laughs> I absolutely loved that scene because I'm into dad jokes. I appreciated the hell out of the the heck out of those dad jokes he was telling. I, I, th- that's that's one of my other categories. We'll we'll get to that one here shortly. <laughs> oh man, I'm just like John. What the heck, man? Let the woman sleep. You could just see Ivana was like, what? Ivana was sitting there going, "If I murder him, could I get away with it? What if I put his body out the airlock? Where would anybody ever see the body?" Right. So, all right. 
Do we have an Orenzento award for this one? I don't really have anybody overacting in this one, honestly. I don't either. I thought everybody yeah. did a great job. Yeah, that's fair. We don't have to give it out if we don't want to. If there nobody, if nobody earns it, we don't give it out. It's special. It's a special thing. It is most most Babylon Five scene. Uh, for me, the most Babylon Five scene was the dinner date between uh, Sheridan and Delenn. I thought that was spectacular because this is the first time we've seen Delenn outside of her Minbari outfit. I mean, she came walking in in that dress, and she was stunning. Yeah. And I don't even remember seeing her in anything similar to that after this. I mean, mm-hmm. it's always the the Jedi robes that she wears, you know. So, and the way they were talking and just it was like two people on a first date, and it it. it was a really touching scene but it spoke to where stuff is going i thought that was really cool yeah no that's exactly what i have too is delin and sheridan at dinner talking about humans and bar and and everything that was really good yeah delin kind of ends up settling on i think like two outfits that we see a lot she's got that reddish pinkish and bluish purplish dress that's got the co- that got the shoulders that's kind of yep. more japanese looking and yep. then she's got that green and gray more like a robe that she wears that's a little more like run around and do stuff. It's not as formal, which I love. Those are pretty much her two looks we have going forward now. So, yeah, she doesn't wear a a normal human dress very often, I don't think at all. Uh, But, yeah, I agree with you. What was your favorite character moment? Uh, My favorite character moment was the the renegade telepaths when they were talking to Talia and telling them, uh, telling her their stories. I thought that was that was really cool because they didn't try to convince her you know, using threats or anything like that. They didn't try to turn her, you know, in any other typical terrorist kidnapper sort of way. They just told her the truth. And it was, mm-hmm. uh, some of, some of the, the stories were very hard to listen to. I mean, that poor woman that, that lost her, her, her baby to the psychor, like oh. just moments after she gave birth, I, I, as a dad, holy cow, that hit me right in the gut. That, that has to be absolutely heartbreaking. And she was, and, and and she I, was raped to begin with. Right, exactly, Even exactly. Worse. So, uh, yeah, and I thought that that was a, a very effective way to show, and, and it worked. I mean, it, it totally convinced Talia who the good guys were and who the bad guys were. Yeah, it has been interesting this season to watch Talia progress along that. That's what I was kind of getting at with Sheridan, is that Sheridan's been figuring out the real deal with Psychor, and Talia, to a much deeper level because she's part of it, has been figuring right. that out. Going back to Ironheart all the way up through this one, is it's kind of her character arc. So, spoiler space, I got something to say about that, if I remember. Um, my yeah. favorite character moment was Sheridan saying, one day they're shooting at you, the next they're taking you out to dinner. What a universe. <laughs> 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 With a nod to, he used a very Sinclair solution to the problem of 30 or 60 credits a week pay it out of the yeah. military readiness budget. I thought that was very good. That was a very Jeffrey uh, solution. So, And yeah, then that- uh, honorable honorable mention real quick to Talia going to talk to Susan at the end. I thought that was also a powerful character. Moment. That, I thought that was really cool. I really enjoyed that one too, yeah. All right, we got a couple more to go. Funniest moment? For me, it was uh, Knock Knock, Who's There, <laughs> Kosh, Kashu. <laughs> I thought that was perfect. That was the perfect Kosh joke. It was absolutely hilarious. Total non sequitur. Uh, so I laughed at that. And then Susan's rejoinder, when she came back with, with, were you like this when you were married? And he said, yep. And she was like, that woman was a saint. That I, How could that possibly be a low point for you, Van? That was one of the funniest moments I've seen on the show. I laughed so hard at that. And, I, and again, my wife was watching with, with me, and she sympathized with Susan. So she thought that was really funny, too. 
<laughs> no, I have that as my funniest moment is when Ivanova says, were you like this when you were married? Yes, why? That woman was a saint. Especially since we now know Sheridan's wives. Right. And at the time, we didn't really have any idea. So that just, that's a right. whole other whole other thing, right? Um, yeah. Um, who won the episode? Talia won the episode. I think that she uh, she's the one that came out on top. She uh, and it, it sealed the deal right there at the end when she uh, went in and, and broke the ice with uh, with Ivanova and she sat down and, and talked with her. I thought that was really cool. That was a, a big moment for Talia. And a big moment for Ivanova, but especially for, for Talia, because Ivanova really didn't like Talia for the longest time because uh, simply because of her association with Psychor. And for her to look past that and see Talia for who she was, I thought that was a big moment for Talia. You said it. Talia is the answer for all the reasons you just gave. 100%. Yeah. And that makes me happy because I do like her so much and spoiler space. Um, yeah. Oh, oh. What was your rating for this one? I gave this one a three. I uh, It was a little bit better than last one, I thought. I didn't think it was spectacular, but uh, I enjoyed uh, a good chunk of this. And a lot of it was because of the, uh, the it was the kind of the opening salvo of the, you know, the, the, uh, the Psy Wars and stuff like that. I, I don't dislike the, the, um, the telepaths like you do. I, I kind of enjoy that whole story arc that, is kind of interwoven throughout the the series until a certain point. Um, and it picks up again in the novels. So I, uh, uh, yeah, I gave it a three. I thought it was, I thought it was a solid one. A lot because it has to do with future stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No. And and any episode with Bester and it's gets a, a, a half star extra. So that's understood. 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 Um, yeah. Bester and Talia together, uh, give this one a two and that's where I stopped. So I gave it a two. Oh, wow. And I really felt like I was being generous giving it a two. I wanted to give it a one point, <laughs> 1.5, but it having oh, having some good wow. Talia stuff in it, having some good Bester stuff, raise it up to two. Wow. And, and, and Dr. Dr. Franklin, you know, that, that bumped it up a little bit for me, too. Yeah, so that was, that's true. I did like that. It was interesting to me that he, he kind of gave in without complaint when Sheridan's like, you can't do this anymore. He's like, yeah, I'm good. I'm not going to do it anymore. It's this, this place is too hot now. I'm busted. You know, I'm going to just, I'm thinking this is like the only time in the history of the show that Sheridan or anybody tells Franklin, you need to do so-and-so and Franklin doesn't argue. Right. <laughs> he never just goes along. He always is like, oh, well, but you know, he always has right. an argument. So that, that kind of... His, my f- his high horse is a very, very tall horse. It is. It is. That is a good way of putting it. Yeah. And he's the freaking Lone Ranger sometimes. Right. <laughs> um, uh, our next episode will cover, before we get into spoiler space, for those that haven't left us yet, <laughs> our next episode will cover uh, 209, The Coming of Shadows. Are we to that yes. one? Yes. And yes. then I think two ten Gropos. Yep. I don't have the I don't have the names in front of me. I'm just I think it's I think it's a come the coming of shadows and Gropos. So I can I can find out very quickly. But yeah, no, continue, please. I'm just gonna go to good old midwinter.com slash lurk, because that's the order I go by. Uh the coming of shadows and gropos. Holy cow. Yep. Wow. Sure. All right. So we've like got I said, it's, it's gonna it's gonna ramp up pretty quick. No spoilers. I just want to say we've got one of the biggest episodes in the entire series coming up, 
and one of the weakest. And I won't say which is which. No spoilers. But, eh. Although, to be fair, the one that's actually weaker there has a callback later. So, yeah, interesting. All and right. I, didn't, I didn't hate that one. So, uh, it'll, okay. I, I'm looking forward to rewatching that one because I don't remember hating it. And I know it, it, it's not very popular. So, I'm looking forward to, to re- reviewing it. All right. Now... We'll go ahead and warn everybody that hasn't watched beyond this to go ahead and stop the stop the tape because jump gate activated. It is time to enter time to enter spoiler space. That means we're going to talk about stuff that goes beyond these episodes now. And we had to add this because obviously as the show ramps up toward bigger and bigger stuff, We need to be able to talk about it a little bit. I don't have a whole lot here. A lot of it was stuff I was passing along the way there. And um, the main thing I had was just that it looked looked to me like JMS needed a telepath for the the Great War. And it was either going to be Lita or it was going to be Talia. And so he had him. He had a way for either one of them to end up being the telepath. And so first it's Lita because she gets exposed to Akash, but then she leaves the show. We get Talia. So now he had to come up with a way for Talia to become a very powerful telepath. And then of course we know what's happening coming soon, and it's so depressing to me with Talia. And so we had to have a way to to drop her out the trap door and bring Lita back in. So right. And I, you know, it, it's. It's so unfortunate that that actress had to leave because I yes. thought it was really re- that the way her story arc was going. I thought it was it it, it was very touching, I, especially this episode. I mean, because she's starting to question everything. You know, you can see it doesn't make sense later on mm-hmm. that she's really who she turns out to be. That she's the bad guy because mm-hmm. she, everything that that's going in her private moments, not what she's showing the others, but in her private moments is leading her in an entirely different direction. So, yeah, it's, it's very unfortunate that uh, they, they had to, to, to trigger that trap door. It really is, because she's one of my favorite characters, one of my favorite actresses, and, like, yeah, they really had done a lot of really good stuff to get her character up to the point mm-hmm. that it needed to get to, and it's so disappointing. There's few... I mean, honestly, other than Crusade getting canceled, that's probably my most disappointing moment in the entire series is what's coming up with Talia. And yeah. and it still frustrated me because at the time I still had hope because I remember they recorded her personality. Kosh did, right. remember, with the vicar. And I kept thinking, yeah. okay, they're setting up to bring her back. They set to bring her back and nope. Yeah, that I think that was a bigger gut punch to me than even uh, Sinclair leaving. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so that's really, that's really uh, unfortunate and sad. Um, what else did we want to talk about in here? I mean, a lot. Of, it's just a lot of Psycor stuff in this uh, this last episode. I feel like the, we've, we've uh, covered most of the, it. I, the whole Psy War, I, I'm fascinated by that. So when you said that the telepaths, yes, a lot of the telepath characters are annoying, especially when we get to Season 5 with Byron and, and that whole nonsense that, that they gave us in Season 5. But th- that was bad for other reasons you know outside of the writing it was more yeah. of a production thing um and i think again in the the site the um the novels that were, were written by gregory keys the mm-hmm. the, the novels were very good and i think if they could have brought that 
element of the Psy War into the series, I think the telepaths would have been a lot cooler. And you touched on something really cool. They are kind of like the X-Men, you know? They, they are kind of like the mutants of, of mm-hmm. the Babylon 5 universe. And I think they just needed, like, a Wolverine or a, a Cyclops-type character that could that people could latch onto and run with. And Byron w- was definitely not that character. So no, uh, I, I think no. potentially, you know, this early on, I, I think that the... the <laughs> The, the um, telepaths and the psychor are still kind of cool. Unfortunately, we know where it's going, and it, it doesn't end as cool. Uh, but I'm I'm still digging the the whole the opening salvos of the Psy War. I'm convinced that the um, the fifth season, the the telepath stuff could have been forgiven more if it hadn't been the only thing they really had going on. I feel like exactly. if you still had the shadows, you'd still had Morden, you'd still had Kosh. You still had a lot of the fun stuff we kind of lose at the end of season four. Then you just the the telepaths then would just be one more thing going on that season. But instead, they would be a, yeah, they would be a B plot or a C plot, which is where they belong. Absolutely, but making them the A plot for like five, six episodes in a row was just, and then asking Robin Atkin Downs to carry basically the show for that many episodes, just it didn't work. It was, right. but we'll get to that when we get to it. I was just going to say. I wonder if when we come around, when we get through and we start looking at like the books and stuff, maybe we ought to try to get Greg Keyes to come on and talk to us about the Psychor books. That would be phenomenal. I, I know him. I, I interact with him quite a bit on, on mm-hmm. Facebook. So uh, Yeah, me too. That'd he's cool. a good dude, and he's, he's mm-hmm. an incredible writer. So I would love to get him on. He went to um, Mississippi State, I believe, I want to say. and I, think I know his, he still lives down there. Yeah, yeah. He had a connection to Georgia, and he had a connection to Mississippi State, and I think his wife maybe went to art school at uh, the Columbus or the, uh, or the uh, Savannah, maybe, Savannah School of Art and Design. I'm not sure. Anyway, we can find out. We'll see. I wish that, see, if I had remembered we had a Peter David episode coming up this soon, I would have asked uh, a couple of questions and recorded them from Peter to have as a drop here, but I didn't think about be- it. Oh, <laughs> I blew it, man. Totally blew it. But anyway, all right. I don't really have anything else. I don't either. I think that's it. I think this is just one of those episodes where we had a couple of smaller episodes and we've said everything there is to say. So, um, um, oh, by the way, and I wish I had done this before the spoiler space, but for those that are still hanging around, the one little tidbit we did get is there's a lot of speculation right now that there could be, and Bleeding Cool is reporting this. You never know when Bleeding Cool is just throwing out clickbait, but it is the guy that's been around for 30 years talking about stuff like this. Uh, you know, he's not some 18-year-old troll out there. He's a fairly respected reporter, but he was speculating that there might be some kind of an animated Babylon 5 thing coming from Warner. Right. And there's there's some evidence to back it up, some stuff that's been happening with the models and all. The, the I mean, that was... yeah. That would be interesting. I know that there was at one point in time a uh, a, a Japanese anime um, hmm. that way back when that that never went anywhere because JMS didn't like the direction it went. Hmm. So I think only one or two episodes aired. There's like five or six that were produced. I've seen some stills from it. It looked kind of cool, but it I, it could be really interesting if it's done right. And and I don't see how Warner would would put the money into doing this the right way i mean mm-hmm. i've seen a few of their their justice league movies which uh dc fans just rave about um the animated movies and to me they're like eh, it's it's a cartoon so i don't know uh well, well i mean it i don't know 
it could be it I guess it could be kind of cool. I I I'm not going to prejudge it and say it's going to be crap, but if it happens, it it better be spectacular to, to capture a, my attention. It's a big if. We don't know anything really. Right. Right. Um speaking of if though, I've watched three maybe episodes of What If and it's by far my least favorite MCU thing there's ever been. Just doesn't do a yeah. lot for me, so that that's part of it. I yeah. but I you know, I here's the thing though. Here's the one thing I find intriguing about it. Babylon 5 would lend itself to an animated show better than I think most. The only, the only sci-fi series I can think of that I think would be even more suited for that approach would be Farscape because of all the aliens, oh, yeah. all the colorful aliens. Yep. That would make a great animated show. Yep. But I think Babylon 5, if you think about, you, you, you wouldn't have to worry about the bad sets anymore. You wouldn't have to worry about costumes and everything. You just draw everything, look as cool as you want. Make the effects look cool. Make the interiors look cool. Hey, you can make the council chamber look like we've been saying, like a big, huge thing. Right. It might it, be worth it, it for that. If, if they do it right, like I said, if they do it right and do the full CGI, like the the uh, Troll Hunters on Netflix is really cool. Mm-hmm. If they put a lot of money into it and make it look spectacular, especially, like you mentioned, the space scenes, the, the scenes in the aliens. We could have more aliens in there. We could have uh, Negrath back. Oh. Um, I mean, <laughs> I, I think it could be It could be really, really cool. I'm afraid we're going to get something more like uh, the uh, um, Invincible TV show that we got mm-hmm. on, on Amazon. I like that show, I just want to say. The the show wasn't bad, but that's because of the strength of the story. Yeah. The animation I thought was horrible. The animation was something straight out of eighties, you know, <laughs> Saturday morning cartoons. Everybody that's... wore the same outfit every single day. They even joke about it a couple times. The, the, <laughs> I mean the animation was stiff, but uh, <laughs> they they really gotta they they have to make it look spectacular, especially like you said, the space scenes. There's got to be CGI. It can't be hand drawn. It's it's got to be really good to to capture the imagination of your average sci-fi fan. I think. Yeah. And and you know, Star Trek has a new animated series coming out. I don't know if you've seen it or not. It's it's about these aliens in a far off quadrant that run across a Federation starship. They hop on board and they have adventures in it. And they're all young. It's it's geared towards kids. But the animation looks spectacular. Uh, they they have a a, a holographic um, uh, character like the Doctor from mm-hmm. whatever series, and it's Voyager. Kate Mulgrew's. Yeah, it's it's Kate Kate Mulgrew's character from Voyager is the holographic character. So she voices her character, and she's the only Starfleet uh, character present. And all these kids are having all these the kids. They're like teenager aliens. They're having all these adventures, but they look alien, you know, because it's animated. The the action looks fantastic. I've only seen a trailer, and it looks spectacular. Okay. Um, if they do, if they do something like that, they they could really they they could have something special. Yeah. I yeah. I just think yeah. It it, it it opens up a bunch of possibilities that we couldn't get with the limited budget. My only my my other question though is, could JMS stop it? And I don't. I I mean, Warner owns the rights. The only thing that JMS owns the right to is the movie. If they do a movie, he has the control over the movie. But if they do an animated series, um, Warner can do whatever they want and tell JMS to go jump. So, And then I wonder if JMS was publicly not involved in it, what would the fans do? Right. And, but, you know, JMS cryptically tweeted not too long ago his involvement, or not his involvement, but somebody said something, I wish 
we could get Babylon Five back. And he tweeted something to the uh, the the mm-hmm. effect of "Don't you know? Never say never." I think is what he said. Something so, along like those lines. Was, yeah, might be yeah, closer cri- than you think. Yeah, right. Very cryptically hinting at his involvement in some future Babylon Five. This could be it. You know, it, and this if if JMS is involved and if they put some money behind it, it it could be really cool. Well, we'll see. Uh, yep. And there's a lot of ways they could go with it too. There's a lot of different directions they could go. So, right, um, they could retell the original story. They could do the telepath war. They could do crusade. There's a. They could do the Markab war. They could do the Mimbari war. They could do a lot of different things. They could right. do the the Babylon Four. You know, versus the shadows. There's a lot of things they could do. They could so do something we'll, entirely new and entirely different that nobody's expected. It could be a complete hard reboot. They could which would be fine. <laughs> They could bring back Legend of the Rangers. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, oh. Are we going to have to watch that one for oh. this review podcast? <laughs> I kind of want to just because I haven't watched it since it first aired. And the reason there's a reason I haven't watched it since it first aired. But I'm kind of <laughs> curious to go back and see if it was as bad as I remember. But anyway, it's all kind of a That's blur, all- honestly. Right. Yeah. All right. I think we should get on out of here for tonight. Um, Andy, uh, we will see you down the road. I guess we'll come back here to reconvene in a couple of weeks to talk about the coming of Shadows and Gropos. So take it easy, my man. I'm greatly looking forward to it. Take care. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production.